Welcome to the Mindfield Podcast. We are a performance psychology company who work alongside schools to improve student performance and well-being. Our aim is to discuss current psychological research in relation to education, reinforcing good practice and sharing techniques from the wider world of performance psychology. We hope you enjoy episode one, Relationships to Failure. Hello, a very warm welcome um, to our very first podcast. How are you, Ollie? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. You ever done a podcast before? Nope, and I'm sure you can all tell very nervous <laughs> with this. Um, <laughs> never really held a microphone before, so even that is feeling weird. Um, today we're going to be talking about um, failure, aren't we? Or the, yeah. the subject around it, the word that is. One of my favourite topics, I think. Really? A lot of experience with <laughs> failure, shall we say. Well, by the end of this podcast, that's not going to be a problem. You're not going to look back on, on it as a as a negative experience. No, no, I will learn from it as the key message will be throughout this, definitely. I think that's a good place to start. I don't know anybody that would say that they've never failed in their life. I don't know whether you've got any sort of poignant uh, anecdotes for us, Ollie? Around failing itself or around learning? Just I just want to hear when you failed, really. You just want to hear. <laughs> um, God, I've got a library to go through to think of. We'll go on a professional one rather than personal because there's just too many of those. But I remember, you know, early early days working with, with a kid and just taking completely the wrong approach. And, you know, he was, wasn't that engage in school and misbehave and things and I thought right let's take a tough line with him he needs that kind of male role model idea really like crack down hard don't let him have any leeway with rules and things and just completely backfired and you know got no I hadn't built up the respect that he was looking for I hadn't shown that I cared um I hadn't done any of that and just kind of went in really tough and complete and utter failure like in the end got kind of moved off working and that was in my first year and just from that and it's something that we'll come to but from reflecting on it you know learn and have hopefully got better and always think I'd love that situation again knowing what I know now but then if I didn't go through it I wouldn't maybe wouldn't know what I do know interesting I think from my point of view thinking of failure and I suppose you could call it losing when it comes to sport. Mm. Um, I was really not good at it at all. In fact, I dislike to lose now to this day. I can test for that one. Yeah, I have a I have a better relationship with it now. And I try and be a better uh, loser with the fact that I know I'm going to learn from it in my mind. But what it led me to to do in my sort of late teens, early 20s was stop trying things. Oh really? Yeah, massively. It um it hurt so much to fail. I suppose because I I framed it as the end. Mm. It was like a, it was like a really powerful clear you are not good enough. Um I stopped playing sport. Um I remember going for for drama school auditions a couple of years and they said, you know, keep trying, keep coming back and a very 
minimal amount of people get in, but no, I t- take myself out of the race. In fact, even to the point where I didn't learn the monologues I was supposed to perform properly. So were you almost looking for an excuse? Yeah, I... So, you, like, you, if you go in having only half-arsed it, you can be like, ah, oh, you know, I didn't want it anyway, or... Exactly, I think... I think if I put my 100% effort into it and then I didn't get it, it would tear me apart. Mm. But knowing that, well, I didn't really try. You give yourself that fallback. Yeah. I love the stories we tell ourselves. You know, like you wanted those drama auditions, same playing sport. You always want to win. But then when you lose, you'll, you'll give yourself an excuse or you'll create a story around it if you've got that. Fear of failure, I think, definitely. Yeah, fear fear of failure is, is what it was, I suppose, in a nutshell. For sure. And I think that's quite common, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it can be a driver for some people. Um, so long as they're not... For you, it sounds like it got kind of to a whole another level. Whereas for some, it can be, you know, it drives, it motivates them to work, work harder, put in the extra hours maybe. You've just got to be very careful to make sure it doesn't ever go too far. Yeah, I talked about a relationship with failure earlier, and I think that's what we're constantly reiterating to the children. It is a relationship. It's an ongoing relationship, and it's not the it's not the end. It's not fail, and then the next step, it's over. Mm. It's fail, and, and then try a different way or, or let it inform your next step. Um, yeah. I think reflect, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. You you're on, you've only really failed if you let that individual failure be the defining factor. Yeah, definitely. So how now? Because like, I mean, we play sport together. You still do a lot of sport. Have you moved? How have you moved beyond? Do you think? I think becoming an adult. Well, I say becoming an adult. Um, trying to become an adult does change things a little bit, and things get put into perspective. I think when you're that age, especially in your teenage years, it it's your life. What mm. that that moment, you're so in the moment in what you're doing. Um that it's just it's your life. I think you you're kind of hinting it. I think it's your identity as well. So mm. if you fail to win that football match or win that cricket match, you would in your head say the phrase I am a failure, which mm. is labeling yourself and therefore your whole person has failed rather than you, you said really key word you gain perspective on it and you can now take a step back and be like okay I failed to win that match but that doesn't impact on you know I still go home and like your girlfriend's still there your family are still there nothing's changed in that regard whereas I think sometimes when you're too ingrained in it you view you think people will think less of you if you fail and here's where obviously for the teachers listening they play a huge role um, in terms of creating that environment where failure is not something to be avoided, it's something to be embraced. And you go and you seek it out and you fail in a safe space and you can learn from it. When you say safe space, I mean, what do you mean? So certainly don't shelter children from it because, like you say, everyone will fail eventually. So the worst thing you can be doing is there. It's failing uh in terms of so i'll link it to sport as uh saracens have a really strong culture around this and i love it um they distinguish between 
effort errors and skill errors. And I think teachers can do the same. So if someone makes a skill error, say drop the ball or they misplace a pass, that's on the coaches. They take responsibility for that. They take responsibility. They say, we haven't trained you to a level good enough for you to be able to do that. So same for a student. If they fail a test or whatever it may be, and it's due to their level of knowledge um, or intelligence, then the teacher can take responsibility and say, I can help you. I can, next time we try it, I can help you get better. Versus effort errors where you simply haven't put in the work. You haven't done your 100%. If it's in sport, you haven't uh, covered the meters you need to. If it's in uh, class, you haven't done your homework. And that's that's where you can begin to differentiate here between types of failure. So there's not just one type of failure, but you know if you're putting in full effort and you fail, there's no shame in that. Would you use the word failure? Say you're working with a child. I think I would, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't shy away from it. I think I would. You can, maybe very young, I wouldn't. You can call it learning opportunities or, uh, you know, reframe it into nicer language. But I don't, I think you can kind of keep kids a bit closed off from these words when they know it exists and they know what happened. But it's not about the failure, it's about the response to it that's important. So obviously in, in schools, tests are used and uh, exams, etc. And they're really important for the teacher and they're really important for the school. Yeah. Um, what would you say to a teacher that's, that would say, well, actually, it's a really good tool to use a poor score in a test to give that child a nudge in the right direction? Because, I mean, it, it worked. It worked for me. I remember doing my mock exams for my GCSEs. And my results were awful. Yeah, I think it definitely can, provided there's the support network, which again comes back to that safe environment idea, for how do we get better from this moment. So it can't just be you got 20% on this test, that's it, like you failed, see you later. Instead, it's got to be, well, what led to that happening? What can you do next time? Kind of begin to be asking these questions and thinking around that idea of the next time you come to this challenge, you're going to be ready. And that's why mocks are really important. Um, I have no evidence behind this, but I'm sure mocks are always harder than yeah. the real thing. I don't. It, it <laughs> felt it, definitely. But, but I mean, you would, wouldn't you, as a school? Because, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's getting that balance between you don't want to scaremonger, do you? Especially them kids that you know are not making effort errors. The ones that are trying hard, you don't want mm. to put them in a state of stress for their upcoming exams proper. You want to give the kids that need a little bit of a, a nudge in the effort sort of side of things, that that little nudge. Yeah. And, you know, say in maths, it might be they've only put an effort in certain areas. And you can then highlight to them across that test paper, say, well, actually, where you did put in the effort, you scored the marks. Where you weren't, like we can see a direct response. But I'd I'd be creating way more opportunities for failure through using testing, so to speak. Getting the old air quotes out again, which on a podcast we know doesn't work, but 
I can confirm he did air quote. Thank you. Um, just going to, uh, you know, you look at just the science of learning and it really is strong around using testing where, uh, wherever possible. We see it. There are so many studies to back this up. If you test the kids, accepting that they are likely to fail, so you're creating that environment and it's fine, it encodes learning once it happens at a much deeper level so that come the time when they need to retrieve it in a test, it's there. Is that any way a risk, though, inviting uh, a group of kids to fail? Because if you're in school and, and you've got your teacher saying, do you know what? Uh, you're at this stage, but it's okay. You've you've failed, um, and this is where we're going to go from here. And there's that attitude, and the, the the child is comfortable with their progress because that because of that attitude. And then they go home, and their parents ask them how they did, and they say, "Well, I got this," and they say, "Well, that's that's not good enough." Yeah, you wouldn't. It's hard to get it across the board, no? Across subjects, across. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely, and. By no means would I make them a, an official test. I like I'm against that idea, but it can be really informal. It can be at the start of the topic, just ten questions, and you just frame it as, "I want to know what you guys know, how much you know." I'm really interested to see. Have you, you know, if we're talking history, well, what do you know about British prime ministers? What do you know about America between the wars? If you know nothing, that's fine. You can have a great time. We're going to go through so much of it. If you know something, I might be able to call on your knowledge. So you can you can make it really open and easy. And again, you're hiding away that failure. Rather than, like you say, I would avoid giving them a proper test paper and keeping the scores and making it clear that you got 20% versus this kid over there that got 70. Yeah. It's interesting what you say about Saracens. Um, the, and the, you said the word culture. And just going back to my point about it it being an applied across the board, I think that would be brilliant, wouldn't it, in schools to, to have a school culture that the parents are in on. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I mean, all the schools we've we've worked with have made a great effort to get parents in. And like you say, if you're looking at a kid's support network, it's pretty much the school and parents. Yeah, it's the it's the one of the great things at um at the school where me and Ollie met is the is the community uh around the parents, the teachers, etc. They had a a thing in the mornings called I think it was it started as like a reading challenge, but now it's the morning challenge where uh students will get in 20 minutes before they normally would and their parents can come in with them. So their parents come in and they get to do a little morning challenge with them. They get to see how their child works. They get to spend time in their, their child's classroom environment. This is primary school. But I don't know. It just created that open community mm. that they could see what displays were up on the wall. They could see what where the child sat, how they organised their tray, et cetera, et cetera. It just, I really liked it. I thought it was important. Yeah, definitely. And it, it gave you as the teacher or teaching assistant, the chance to talk with a parent and they could come up to you and it it just broke down barriers that might exist because... and I'd say it wasn't like a a meeting every morning. No, like no. It, was, but it wasn't like, oh, 
I want to talk to you about my child. There was it couldn't you would still have to make a a, a set formal meeting with their teacher, but this was more of a not formal because it's still in school, but more of a you know human interaction. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It was just casual and you know just even asking how weekend was went. Um, but again, with that morning challenge, it it brings it back nicely to the topic of failure. They were tough for some kids, and it would be in all different subjects. And I appreciate this is in a primary school context, but you need to build the culture, which is really important. You need to have that safe environment to allow for failure and just not let it define it. But at the same time, you need that balance. You need that child or you need that person to be reacting to the failure. Mm. You know, you need a safe environment to react to failure and not just accept it. Yeah, definitely. I've enjoyed that. Have you enjoyed that? I had a good time on the, this one. The time's absolutely whipped I, by. I might actually listen back to this one. Um, it's worth noting that we have a website and a Twitter and a and Facebook. A and, yep. You can get us at, at MindFuelPerform. Uh, that's on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. That'd be great. Um, and our website. Oh? MindFuelPerformance.co.uk smashed it thank you